Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So if you can and you're willing, grab your notes. We're going to dive right in. I'm, I'm so excited right now what we're doing as a church. I feel like we're doing some, uh, it just feels like we're doing some great learning and we're growing in our faith. And what we're, trying, what we're doing right now, for those of you who may be new or you're streaming on the service, uh, welcome to you. And what we're doing right now is we are learning, um, we are digging deep into the, uh, one of Paul's letters the letter that he wrote to the church is in Colossae. Uh, scholars believe somewhere around 80, 61, 65. He wrote uh, a letter to the church in Colossae. This is one of the interesting things about this. This was not, maybe you heard me say this, is not a church he planted. It was a church that he had a deep, deep affection for. And he had become concerned uh, about that church. And so he writes with a particular thing in mind in that uh, church and and we're learning about this. We do this once a year. What I, what I really try to do is take us through a, a, a book study, a letter, some sort of particular passage of scripture in a deeper way once a year. Because here's what I think we do when we when when we do this together, we are learning how to do the Bible better, and we're we're growing up a little bit. And one of the things I love about when we when 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 we accept this challenge as the communicators to do this, here's what happens. Uh, it forces us to preach around things we normally might not even preach about because we're following along on the text, right? So the text is keeping us honest because if it's there, we gotta, we gotta address it. And it might be, it, it prevents us from kind of preaching the stuff we always want to preach or like to preach. Sometimes we have to preach stuff that's hard. Is that okay? Sometimes we have to preach stuff that's got some challenge to it. Right? And, and, and this is how, we're, so we're growing in our faith. I appreciate all of you who have been sharing with me your affirmation about this. Now, as I mentioned, Paul is writing, and Paul is writing to address a concern. And here's the concern. You may want to write it down. This is where we're going this morning. He had become concerned about this church and what they had started to believe about Jesus that was not accurate. Or, or, maybe even more accurate, it would, it would be this. It was what I would want to say. They, uh, he had become concerned about what they had started to quit believing about Jesus. Hear that? In other words, they had, they used to believe this, but they now believe this no longer. How many of you have ever heard the phrase familiarity breeds what? It's true. And so part of the, uh, the, the, the challenge, part of the knowledge uh, that we want to get at is sometimes we want to develop a kind of faith that is characterized by growth and by learning, by challenge, by, by leaning in. Uh, when I was growing up, um, my mom, my dad is from New England. He joined the Navy and got sent to Green Cove Springs, Florida as a Navy man uh, near Jacksonville. And uh, my mom was a civilian secretary. And they, they met. He came in, literally this is how they met. He, he came in to, to get water one day in a water cooler and her desk was right there. And he started getting thirsty every day. <laughs> started showing up. And, uh, and so when, when uh, they, uh, you know, so my, my mom's side of the family is from there. And when we were growing up, uh, my parents would take us 
to uh, a, a, a lake, we would have family get-togethers. At call, it was called Brooklyn Lake in near Keystone Heights, Florida, out in the middle of nowhere. It's not the end of the world, but you could see it from there, like Keystone, like the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and I really learned how to swim in Brooklyn Lake uh, up near Stark. And, and my, my uncle had a dock that just went out into this beautiful lake and uh, I was always jealous of my older brother. He would dive into the water, and he would swim way out in the lake. And I was always, I'm going to tell you, you would never think this now because I'm so courageous, but I was afraid <laughs> to kind of go out into the water. And and I, I'll never forget, as a young boy one time, my brother just did this big dive, and he just swam way out. And, and he yelled, he got way out, and he turned around and yelled at me, and he said, he said, Dale, swim out here. The water's fine. I've never forgotten that he said that. And, and what he was saying, and, and then he went on to say, it's the same water out here. You'll be okay. And, 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 and th- that's a reference I think this morning I want to use in terms of our faith. I mean, I, the challenge that Paul is offering to us is to grow in our deeper understanding exactly of who Jesus is. And Paul is writing this letter, and he's inviting everybody to accept or reject Jesus based on who he claimed to be. Uh, I was thinking about this this week. I want to share these, some of these things with you. If he's not a savior, here's the thing. He can't save you. So if you don't understand him as a savior, he can't save you. If, if he's not powerful, you can't know his power. I thought that one would get an amen. If he's not a personal God, you'll never, ever know his presence. I thought that'd get an Amen. Y'all, Scott, we got to talk back a little more today, okay? If he's not good, you'll never experience his favor. Thank you. I'm going to go back on vacation again, all right? If he's not loving, you'll never experience his forgiveness. How many of you need forgiveness? See, see what, what you believe about Jesus has important implications for your life. And, and, and Paul is inviting us in a very solid way to take this question very seriously. This is this, like, in, in other words, this, all of our faith rests on the, uh, the, the answer of this question. I have determined in my own life, the older I get and the more uh, circumstances I go through, both good or bad, my, my experience with my circumstances, if I'm not careful, starts to outpace the development of my faith. And what we need to do, what Paul is inviting us to do, he's inviting us to advance the development of our faith to catch up with our circumstances. I run into people sometime and they will say to me, you know, I can't feel God. I can't sense God. I don't know where God is. I'm, I'm, I'm going through this. And the more they talk, you know what I began to figure out? I began to notice it, yeah, because your, your experience has outpaced your faith. And you've left your faith back in its adolescent stage. And you need to advance, you need to grow some maturity around your faith and it'll catch up with your circumstances. It will. But you have to engage in this. 
And you find this is the idea that Paul's getting at, and it's all over this text. In fact, it's all over our key text. Let's read our key text, which is Colossians 1.28. I want us to read it like, like it matters, because it really does. Ready? Go. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Notice what Paul says. He says, he is the one we proclaim. We're not, we're not proclaiming anybody else. This, this whole gathering, what we're doing right now, it's not about anybody else. It's about Jesus. And this is what is important, and this is what we need to understand. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to read to you another 10 verses. We're just going to, we're motoring our way through this letter. And uh, these are my favorite verses in this letter. So if you just want to know what P. P. Diddy really likes, it's these 11 verses, these 10, 11 verses right in here. And I want to read it to you, Colossians chapter 2. And I want to say some things about it. We're going to mine some gold right out of this. Here's, here's how Paul records it. Notice what he says. He says, I want you to know, I want you to know, like brothers and sisters, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for all of those at Laodicea in that region and for all who have not yet met me personally. Now, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full, uh, may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. For I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit, and I'm delighted to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, he says, just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted in him, built up in him, strengthened in him, and in the faith you were taught, overflowing then with thankfulness. See to it, here comes a challenge, see to it, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, You have been brought to fullness, for he is the head over every power and over every authority. Amen. Let's pray. God, use this space in a powerful way to let us step into deeper waters. May we hear your spirits cry into our lives right now that say, come on in. Come on in. Water's fine. For We pray in the name of Christ, and everyone said, uh, amen. Um, this uh, is the heart of this letter. This is it. Uh, everything he says in a preemptive way flows like a river into these 10 verses, and everything he's going to tell us in the weeks ahead bear reference to this, this right here. This is it. And uh, it, it's, uh, in many ways, it's, it's the heart And it's not only the heart of what he's wanting to say, this is the heart of our faith. And Paul is saying, everything you ever experience about religion, everything you ever experience about Jesus, if you're going to do it right, it, it, it is all hinged, all tethered, all wired up to who you understand him to be. This is it. Uh, when I was, uh, 
Beth, you know, Beth and I uh, met in seminary in Kentucky. Beth's from Texas. Maybe you all know that. And so we started to date. I never met her family. There comes this moment, you know, I thought, well, uh, I, I'd like to be married to her. And so I knew I was going to have to fly out and ask her daddy, you know. That's the thing, guys. Write that down. And um, important. And so I, I, you know, I told my dad, I, I, you know, what I need to do. He helped me get a ticket because I was in seminary. I had no money. Flew out there. And uh, this was in the day. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you all this. This was like 1985. Do you remember the show that was hot in 1985? It's called Miami Vice. I haven't even told the story yet, y'all. Jeez. So I go out there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce myself. And, and I had, y'all, I tried to find a picture of it. I'm sure I burned it. But I'm, I'm, a South, I'm from Florida. I'm a native Floridian. I'm a third-generation native Floridian. I, I'm a surfer guy. And the surfer guy flies out to ask the farmer daughter, dad, I'm surprised I made it out of that alive. I just, I just am. I, I have a picture of us at a rehearsal dinner. The, if I showed you the pants I was wearing, you guys would, you'd join another church. You'd, you'd go, that, that's, we're out. We're just out. I, I'm just telling you. And I, I went out there, and best daddy, best daddy was a, he was like, I mean, just, he was a Texan, he was a farmer, he was, he was a loving man. And they just farmed, they farmed a lot of property. I want to show you, this is a picture, this is, this is their land, some of their land. And you know what that is? That's watermelon. Ooh. And uh, her daddy, now this is her brother now that farms all this. He's farming watermelon out there. But, but her, her daddy loved watermelon. And he grew a little patch. He would grow sweet corn and watermelon for himself, for the family. And, and we'd come out there. And, and I just remember, I would go out there for two weeks and detox for ministry after we got married and learn how to farm and do all this stuff. But, but in, in, when he was growing watermelon, when, when it was at the end of the season, it became obvious he wasn't going to be able to eat all the watermelon, you know, that he, that he had, that he had grown. Uh, he, he did this thing. He would do it every year. And I'll tell you what he would do. He would, um, he would get a knife. He'd go down a row and he would cut all the watermelon open and he would eat the heart out of the watermelon. I want to show you a picture. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? And uh, one day, one time we were there, and he, it was coming to the end of the season, and this was the deal. And he said, come on. We grabbed a knife, and he said, pick a row. And we would just slice, I mean, because they were just going to go bad. And we slice the watermelon, and we'd eat the heart out of it. And that was it. Th- this, is, this is the heart of, of the gospel, these 11 verses. And, and I want to connect this image to your mind, because I almost want you to be able to just taste it. It's so even if you don't like watermelon, make it whatever you like. Fried chicken, barbecue, collard greens, Panera salad, whatever. Um. And, and if these 11 verses are the heart, can I show you the best bite? Here's the best bite. It's verse 2. And I want to show you that verse. Paul says, my goal, he says, my goal is it that those who come around this idea may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so they may have the full riches of complete understanding, not just understanding, the full riches of complete understanding. 
In other words, there's stuff you don't know yet. The full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. There's the best bite of those 10 verses. And, and the reason I know it is some of the language Paul uses. I want to just draw your attention to it real quick. One, one thing he says, you'll notice it, it. He says, it's my goal. Paul had one goal. Hey, Paul, what's your goal? I want everybody to know the mystery of God, which is Christ. I mean, he wants you to know that as though that's, a, you know, it makes me think maybe that's important to know. Some of you are here, you're just trying to figure your faith out. Here's what I want you to think about. It's important that you know this. Paul, Paul thought it was important. There's something there. Maybe we don't know yet. Maybe we should keep looking. And, and, and he said, he says, so I, this is my goal. Uh, and, and, and if we do this right, we're all encouraged. We're all united around this common understanding. I have people that sometimes will tell me, I run into you in the community, and I've had folks tell me before, I think it's true of any church, not just unique about our church, but many, many churches, you know, uh, friends do a great ministry in our town. But I have people that'll say to me, you know, it's just, I have, I have such crazy stuff going on in my life right now, pastor. And when I come to church on Sunday, it's the one place where I'm reminded yet again what's most important in my life. And for, you know, and that might not be all of us that's in the room right now, but it's many of us in the room. We're going, this, my head clears something. I just, like, it all sort of comes together. This is Paul's goal. We might just share in this common understanding. We might all go, we might come in here, and the real, you know, the real idea is we come in here, we sit down, and we do this, we go, and then he says this, we contend. Even before he gets to the goal, and you go back to verse 1, he says, I I, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. I mean, there's a lot of passion around this. Here's what contending means. Contending communicates the idea of pushing through to victory, something that's really important, and refusing to quit. Isn't Isn't that interesting? If we're doing our faith right, we really... Paul's saying this, if you really knew how this thing worked, you would never, ever quit this. You would never step back. You would push through. You would contend. We were at this conference this week, and it was just a renewal conference, and I take some of my team every year. And, uh, and we were there. I want to show you a picture. This is a group of college students uh, that are being interviewed. Again, about 2,500 people there. This is a group of young people, various college campuses around the country, that, um, that gather with other people on their campus every week sometimes more than one night, and they pray for all the college students on their campus. And one of the guys said this, and the reason I'm showing this picture, he used the word contend. And I went, ooh, I'm going to show that picture because that's what I'm preaching this very weekend. And he said this, that he was being interviewed, and the guy, you can see him there, you can see him there, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, um, uh, we decided, a group of us got together, and we decided that we are no longer going to accept The record numbers of depression, addiction, hopelessness, suicide, and despair that is running rampant on our college campuses with our young people. No more. It stops here. And I have to tell you, I was so moved by that. It made me start thinking, where am I contending in my faith? Where am I going? I mean, you you came in here with some stuff right now in your life, I bet. 
And where are you going, you know what, no, not any longer. This might have been in our family line. It's not in our family line anymore. It stops right here. And we start contending. So see, I'm just trying to communicate the idea that, that what Paul is really trying to say, it, it's really important. Then he uses the word no. He said, I, I, I want you to know. And that's, that's a unique word to me. And I want to tell you why it's a unique word to me. It's a unique word to me because um, a lot of times when I talk to people in the Christian journey, and I'm going to push a little bit. Is it okay to push a little bit? Some, some, sometimes, um, this is what I get. Rather than them wanting to know, here's sometimes it feels to me. We just all go, I know. In case you didn't get it, I won't, I won't do it again. Paul is saying, I want you to know. But too often, the, the, the atmosphere that I feel amongst Christian community is, is not, I, I want to know. It's, I know. I don't like that phrase. Uh, moms and dads, you ever, you ever go to your, 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 uh, elementary school age son or daughter and you go, Hey, remember I just said a minute ago, it's, it's, it's time, it's time to get ready for bed. What do they say? I know. They don't move. <laughs> Nothing changes, but they know. I'm always, I'm always, when my girls did that, I was so blessed. They knew nothing happened, but they knew, right? You ever, you ever go to your, 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 uh, junior high kid and go, Hey, remember I said, turn off the device, time to finish your homework. What do they say? I know. Go to your, go to your high school student. Uh, sure, you can use a car. You need to be home by 11. What do they say? Is they blow out the front door. I know. Nothing happens. They're home at midnight. What is that? What is that? Sins. <laughs> Amen. I work alone, man. Just I want you to know I work alone. All right. Um, here, here's an, here's an interesting, just kidding. Here's an interesting thing. You don't have to be an adult, I mean, or a kid to just say, I know. You don't, do you? Uh, Beth and I were running errands a, a while back, and uh, and we were at one place, and we were we we and we were leaving this place where you can go down Southern Boulevard. You know how you can go underneath the overpass and go to the you know best. We had to go to the grocery store and get some things. We're knocking it out. And a little confession about me: I'm better at this now, and you'll understand why. I I sometimes did not always put on my seatbelt. I know. And, uh, and, and we were pulling out of this place and Beth goes, Hey, you know, like telling you again, right? You know, I like you a lot. I want you to be in my life. Put your seatbelt on. And I, I didn't pay a lot of attention. And I, I, I was, and I, and I pulled through this underpass and y'all, as I go under the underpass, there is a police officer there. And he's just, he's just standing by the side. And you know what he's doing? He's just looking in. He's just looking in. And he did one of these numbers. He goes, you over here. Uh, and yeah, I got, I got spanked. And it, and that, that lecture cost me 120 bucks. And I'm driving, I'm literally, I'm driving off and I said, man, that, that's a $120 ticket. What do you think my wife said? I know. I know. Uh, 
And, and sometimes we just, you know, my point is sometimes we think we know and we don't know. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Paul says that there is something going on in how we come to know the mystery of God, namely in Christ, and it involves two things. I want to give them to you. It's coming to know God with our mind. We have to know. And, and, and sometimes, here's what I want to tell you. you. We act like we know and we don't know. And one of the things I love about our church, this is one of the things I'm, I just love about our church till the day I die. I love, I love this. We are trying to create a place here where you can come in and actually say, I don't know. Last week when we were up in Kentucky, uh, Brandon bought this. He's doing woodworking. I'm really proud of him. He bought this jointer. And he needed to convert this jointer from 110 to 220 power. And he go, and so we went over and we fixed the wiring on the jointer and we needed to get a new plug. And we, we went over to Lowe's. We were going to get it. And we go in there and, and just don't judge me. This, 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 an elderly woman came up. She had, she had the vest on and, you know, and she said, Hey, is there anything I can help you with? And, and I'm, don't judge me. I just, I didn't, I thought she would probably know where to send us to find out what we were looking, but it never dawned on me to, that she would know actually what we were talking about. And send your hate mail to Trevor. And, and so uh, she asked, and we said, no, we're fine. And then she asked again, and I said, I said, hey, well, we're just going to, we're going to, we're converting a jointer from 110 to 220 power. And, you know, we're just going to get a plug for it. And, and I, and, and y'all, this is what she said. She goes, um, she looked at us. In fact, I'll show you a picture of Brandon and I. Is it, did you already show that? Yeah, there's Brandon and I. Okay. And she, so I, I told her what we were doing, and this is what she said. She goes, is that locked or unlocked? And I went, huh? I'm not done. It, what, what, what wire are you pulling? Is that 12, 14 or 12? What? How big is the circuit? Huh? What size is the motor? And y'all, in about five minutes, this woman schooled us. I went back the next day. I'll show you. I went back the next day. I went to the scene of the crime. And I was like, my gosh. And I was like, I told Brandon going home, I said, we walked in there like studs, and we were like dumb and dumber in there. I mean... Yeah, take that down. That's wrong. Jeez. All right. Take that down right now. All right. Paul, Paul is, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying part of how we grow in our faith is we come to know him with our mind. Uh, he was writing in another book. I give you one of my favorite verses of Scripture, all-time favorite verses of Scripture. It happens in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Notice how Paul says this. He says, hey, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. See, that's where most of us stop. I want to know Christ. I know. I know. But he goes on. I want to know Christ. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. 
In other words, he's saying, remember everybody, Christianity didn't start around an idea. It, it literally started out of an event. What's the event? Resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here's the thing, that same power, Paul said, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power God wants to push, put in your and my human heart. Same power. Do you know you want to know God like that? I mean, that's the question in the room. Paul says, I, I, I want to know, I want to know the power of the resurrection. He doesn't stop there, though, does he? I, I want to know, he says, I want to participate in his sufferings. I'm just curious, when's the last time anybody prayed that in this room? Hey, Lord Jesus, I want to suffer like you. Help me suffer like you, Lord. That's all I want to do. One of the old translations, maybe it's in, in your Bible. Some translations say it this way. I want to know, Paul says, I want to know the fellowship of your suffering. Oh, wow. You get around people with a common identity around a hurt habit or hang up, there's something going on there that you can't, you can't even define it. I've sat in rooms when you, you get people together that have lost a loved one and they start talking about that. You, 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 you get a group of people together and they have a wayward son or a wayward daughter and moms and dads start opening up and they start sharing about the pain. Pain of that. You got a loved one with an addiction. There are some common experiences, and Paul saying, "You know, God, you're so glorious. You're so good. I, I, I want the breadth of what I know about you to to scale the heights of your resurrection and to know the depths of all that you went through, so that I could be free." Now that's knowing. I want every one of us to change a channel and never come into church again with a, with a spirit that says, I know. Oh, we're singing that song, I know. Oh, he's saying, I know. We're read, I, I learned that a long time ago. But something moves in heaven and earth when you come in and you're hungry. And so I'm just asking this morning, anybody hungry? And Paul says it, it, it's going to come together around knowing God with our mind. And then he says this real quickly. He says, you got to experience God in your heart. See, any good relationship will involve both the head and heart. It does every time. You see it, it's weird. You see it in the life of Jesus in this weird way. I was reminded of this recently. Maybe this doesn't impact you. It impacted me. Over the span of his ministry, Jesus was asked 387 questions in the New Testament. 387 questions. Uh, 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 or he asked 387 questions. He, he was asked, let me get that right, he was asked 187. He asked 387. He was asked 187. He only answered three of them directly. What is that about? He was just creating an environment to slow the RPMs down 
that people might get into awareness of a deeper understanding of who he is. Because here's what he knows about us, and it's true of every one of us in the room. We just go too fast. If all of us just slow down. So how do we do it, Pastor Dale? I mean, how, how, do, I, how do I get to know him? You, you got to know him with your mind. You got to experience him with your heart. And then I want to end real quickly by saying this. The best bite is certainly verse 2, but verse 3, I'm very challenged by. He says, we would know this Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, it's like a treasure hunt. He wants to tell you stuff you don't know. He wants to invite you in. There's something very, very powerful about that. I'm going to save that for where we're going in a few weeks, but we're coming back to that. So what we're going to do this morning now, we're just going to close uh, with a song. It's one of my favorite songs that we sing around here. And I want to challenge you that your posture wouldn't be in this next few moments, I know. But use this as a time to tell the Lord, Lord, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to experience more. There's more of you. You have more for me than I have allowed you to have. So I'm going to open my mind. I'm going to open my heart and just do that. Maybe you want to come to the, you know, we have, you use this as an altar. Maybe you want to pray there, whatever, ever. But let's ask God for more. Would you stand? Yeah. Lord, use this space. Do something in our mind and in our heart as we turn to you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Would you let that be our prayer? And would you give us the courage, oh God, to to fashion our lives out of that understanding, to build our lives on Christ and on Christ alone. God, we want more. I'm convinced what we need is more of you. And that that would break the chains that sometimes, Lord, we feel in our heart and in our lives of those we love around us do with your power what only you can do. This we pray in the name of Jesus, who is our God and our Savior. And everyone said, amen. Would you give the Lord just a hand because God is worthy. Uh, I pray that you go in his peace and that you have deep understanding of the mystery of God, namely Christ. We'll see you next weekend.